maybe? Ah, there we go. Good. Happy Mother's Day. Let me say it again to you, those who are mothers. um, I hope you're really celebrated today in your role uh, as being a mum. And I hope you feel loved. And we also know today can be a difficult day for some, can't it? For those who would love to have children and maybe you know the pain and the heartbreak of not being able to have children. Maybe for those who have lost um, our own mums, today is particularly hard and sad. But you know what, for even those of us who are mums, being a mum can sometimes be really, really difficult. Sometimes it can feel like a punishment rather than a blessing. Because although it's a real unique role that we have, it comes with so much um, aspects of it and so much pressure with it. But what I want us to look at this morning together is the role that we have, not just as a mum, but as a dad, as a grandparent, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a godparent, as a friend. Any of us who have influence or um, are involved in a child's life, we have a unique role. We have a role to be shaping the soul of the next generation, to be having that influence over children and young people's lives. Now, my own journey to motherhood actually started six years ago to the day on this very stage. Because on Mother's Day in 2013, I stood on this stage and I talked about adoption and fostering. And I talked about what it meant for us as a church to care for those children who are in our care system. And in doing that, I had to think carefully about myself and thought, what is my responsibility in that? And so six years ago, I started the journey to adoption. And so fast forward a little while after that, two years later, Dylan came to me age four. Uh, He's now nine. He's going to see a photo up on the stage, up on the screen. So that's Dylan on the right. He's now nine. Um, Two years after that, I then became a stepmom. And I became stepmom to Jude, who is now six. And so my own journey to motherhood might not be uh, traditional or typical, um, but I love being a mum to these two boys. Now, when you go through the adoption process, as some of you here will know, you go through a period of intense interrogation and assessment. And I remember one day my social worker sitting there and saying to me, what are you most looking forward to about being a mum? And I said this, I said, I'm looking forward to those mundane things like making a packed lunch and doing the school run. I'm looking forward to baking with my child. I'm looking forward to afternoons out at the park. I think now on reflection, my social worker probably wrote down in her notes, she hasn't got a clue. (laughs) But I remember those were the things that I was looking forward to about being a mum. Now, those things are hugely important. I love going out and doing fun things with Dylan and Jude. I love being able to bake with them. I love being able to take them to school. But when you become a parent, you realise as important as those things are, there is a greater responsibility that comes with being a mum. See, being a mum is far more than just playing at the park and baking cookies, although those things are really, really important. But I want to suggest that those things actually form part of a greater assignment given to us. See, this job of a parent, like I said, can be a tough one. Parents, um, children can drive us up the wall sometimes. Even if they're not your own children, they can send you crazy. The constant questions they have, the constant need to be involved in everything you do, the times they do just really silly, crazy things. Dylan once, 15 minutes before leaving for school, decided to do this, dye his arms bright red with food colouring. I was like, how am I going to explain this to school when he'd just started at this school? A lot of scrubbing and it didn't look too bad. Um, But kids just do the craziest things. The times when they have like a full-on almost demonic attack when all you did was ask them to put their shoes on. 
And you're like, why? Why are you being like this? If you've not got children, hopefully I've now put you off having children. (laughs) Um, But there's a huge pressure. And some of that is responsibility and pressure that we bring on ourselves. Because we want our children to be well-rounded. We want our children to have good experiences. We want our children to be successful in life. We want our children to um, live up to an expectation that maybe we have for them. But I want to suggest that we get rid of all those expectations, all those things we want for our children, and we focus on one thing. And I think if we focus on the one thing, we will actually find a bit of relief from all those other pressures, the pressures that come externally and those pressures that we bring on ourselves. And I want to suggest this, that our biggest role as a mother or a child raiser in whatever form is this, is to be a soul shaper, to shape the soul of our children. A uh, church leader in America called Andy Stanley said this, your greatest contribution may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And how many of us as parents focus on what we do, the things we give for our children, the things we do for them, But actually, our greatest contribution might be the people we raise. See, our children could have the best of everything in life, or they could have little. They could achieve the greatest grades at school, or they could be a school dropout. They could end up having a massive, high-paying, high-flying career, or they could be unemployed. At the end of their life, none of that will matter. Because at the end of the life, what will matter is the state of their soul. See, this legacy that we can leave behind far beyond our own years will live on in our children and in our grandchildren. And it won't be about what we've provided for them materially. It will be about what we've provided for them spiritually. The life that we've set up for them. Now, if you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you're maybe new to this whole church thing, um, I'm so glad you're here and you are most welcome here. But those of us who are Christians, we believe that our life is best lived with God at the centre of it. We believe that living life as a Christian, living a life following Jesus, gives us a real abundance in life. That life is just not necessarily easier, but we get a lot more satisfaction from life. And we need to believe that, not just for ourselves, but for our children as well. We need to believe that a life for our child following God is better. And so how do we become a soul shaper? Well, the first thing I think we need to do is to acknowledge that our children need God. That those either born to us or those that come to us in other ways, that those we have influence over... They need God. They need um, something outside of themselves to give them hope and to give them purpose. Now, shaping the soul of a child is more than just bringing them to church. It's more than just maybe tucking them in at night and praying with them. Now, those amongst us who are parents and have maybe been on this journey a little while, we will know that we can't parent on our own. And actually, you'll need other people around you. And that's where a church community comes into play. See, our kids and and youth leaders here at The Forge do a fantastic job with our kids. They do a fantastic job with our kids for the one hour a week that they have with them. And I love that. I love that our boys get to be part of a church community where they've got other people who are uh, influencing their lives. But I also know that it's my responsibility, first and foremost, foremost, to influence their life 
It's my responsibility to shape their soul. And I don't want someone else to be the primary influencer in Dylan and Jude's life. I want that to be um, safe within their parents. And when it comes down to it, actually, this permeates every aspect of parenting. It, uh, it feeds into how we talk to our children. It feeds into how we discipline our children. I'm going to get onto that in a little bit. It's about how we allow them to watch or listen to things. About what we teach them about friendships and relationships. About what they, how they um, hold themselves at work. How they treat other people. And when we're talking about this, I'm not just talking about young children. Actually, this goes right on into adulthood as well. Because as a a parent of grown-up children, you still have an influence in their life. Shaping the soul of children is actually a lifelong task. And I think all of these things become easier if we have a goal in mind. If we have an idea of what we're wanting to achieve with our children. And I think if we know that, we will find spiritual success for our children. We'll have children who know, hopefully, what it is to find and follow God. If we look in the Bible, there's a guy in the Bible, in the New Testament, who seemed to have found spiritual success. Now, there's a guy, another guy in the Bible called Paul, um, and he is um, uh, known for doing a lot of the um, mission of uh, Jesus, and he um, spoke a lot about Jesus' stories, and uh, lots of people started to follow Jesus as a result of the work of Paul. Now, Paul had uh, a disciple. So a disciple is just someone who follows him, who learns from him. And Paul had a disciple called Timothy. And Timothy uh, grew up to be known as someone who had a lot of rapport around people. People liked Timothy. Timothy was great at telling people about Jesus, and they followed. And it says this in, uh, in the Bible about Timothy. Paul is writing a letter to him and he says this. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. So from that, what can we detect led to Timothy's success? Actually, Paul gives us a hint of this. It said, the faith that first lived in your grandmother and now in your mother, Eunice. And I think this was significant because it was significant enough for it to be written in the Bible. And that is huge. These two women in Timothy's life had such an impact on him. The answer to Timothy's spiritual growth and maturity lied in these two women. These generations before paved the way for his success, showed him what a life lived well looked like. And we read that both Lois and Eunice had um, genuine faith. So how are these two women able to raise Timothy into a God-fearing and obedient man? Well, the answer is they just had that, a faith. A faith without hypocrisy, a faith without pretension, a faith that was sincere. Now, I know in my own life, I would love to be known as a Lois or a Eunice, to my children and to my grandchildren to come. But how as mothers, how as parents, how as friends, how do we make sure that we have a genuine faith? A faith that shapes the soul of our children to that level, where our children's faith is significant to others too. Well, the Bible has something to say about that as well, funnily enough. 
And so in Deuteronomy 6, we find this. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So the first thing I want to suggest, if we're going to be soul shapers to our children, is this. Verse 5 started with, love the Lord your God. We as parents, as influences on children and young people, we need to be right with God first. We need to acknowledge our own need for God. And no matter where we are on that journey of faith, we need to be keep striving and pushing on, always getting better, always being um, growing. Now, we haven't got loads of time to go into a lot of detail on how you do that, but I just want to suggest one thing. On our church website, we have a, 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 a space on there called The Vault, and it's got all of the talks from the last five years or so. And uh, two years ago, we did a series called Miracle Grow. And it was really specific about how do you grow in your faith. And it has lots of really helpful and practical things to do. So maybe for you, that's the first step. is clicking online, finding that series and seeing how am I making sure that I am growing in my relationship with God in order to have an influence with the children that are in my care. See, one of the pressures um, of um, doing that, one of the pressures of being a, uh, a, a soul shaper is that our children see everything that we do. And so if we're working on our relationship with God, our children will see that. See, we have to be working on our relationship with God, and we have to allow them a window into that relationship. We need to be something. We need to be a follower of God, and we then need to let them see that. We need to be and let them see. This is what happened for Lois and Eunice. They had a genuine faith, and Timothy saw that and caught that. He saw it for himself. I have a good friend, and she's got five children. And um, she will unapologetically take time out to be with God. She will pour herself a cup of coffee. She'll grab a notepad and a Bible, and she will sit uh, amongst her children, and she will spend time with God. She doesn't wait for a moment of quiet. I think with five children, there probably isn't a moment of quiet. But she will um, read her Bible in front of her children. And what that communicates to her children, without her even having to say it, is that this is important. This is important for mum to do this. And actually, it's the most important thing. Maybe more important right now than me getting on the floor and playing with you, which I will do. But right now, I'm reading my Bible and spending time with God. And our children see that. Our children have to have this window into our relationship with God. See, when our, when our children see how we negotiate friendships, they pick that up. When they see that mummy gets stressed and she goes out with a friend for coffee or Miranda gin and wine, um, they, will, they see that oh, mummy comes back and she's happier, that her friends are important to her. Our, friend, our children learn stuff through how they see us do friendships. And likewise, if we don't allow children access to our relationship with God... They will grow up having a relationship um, with something else. A relationship to God might be completely foreign to them. Now, this also applies to the bad things our children pick up as well, doesn't it? See, if they have a window into our lives, they'll pick up when we maybe say something bad about someone else. Maybe we respond wrongly to our husband or our wife. They will pick that up too. 
Because whatever we are, when we're, whatever we are becoming, they will see. All of that is learned. Now, the second part of these verses in Deuteronomy says, repeat this to your children. Love the Lord your God. And then it says, repeat this to your children. Talk about them all the time. Now, me being saying, uh, you're now to become a soul shaper. You might think, oh, I've just added another job to my already busy job of being a mum. But actually, it's about using moments that are already there. Using moments that you can teach into the lives of your children. When I first adopted Dylan, we'd be driving around in the car. And um, every time we saw a blue flashing light, whether that's a police car, an ambulance, whatever, he'd point it out and we'd talk about it. And I decided right then that actually what we would do is every time we see a blue flashing light is we would stop whatever we were doing, not necessarily stop the car, but we'd turn the radio off and we would pray. We'd pray for whatever that vehicle was going to or whatever it was coming from. We'd pray for the people in there. We'd pray for the service people who were helping other people. And it was really deliberate. And my intention with it was to make prayer accessible for Dylan, that he realised that actually we could pray whenever and wherever to make him realise that our faith is big enough to believe that God could heal those people, even if we don't know the situation and we don't know uh, who they are. I wanted Dylan, and I still want Dylan, to see that faith is a part of every situation that we find ourselves in. So maybe you find yourself outside with children walking. Maybe it's when you're driving in the car. And you can point things out to children and make it a teaching moment, saying how creative God is creating that sunset. Look at the bright yellow in that daffodil. God did that. Not letting those small moments pass us by. And maybe other moments, maybe when they're talking and sharing their day, when they're asking for advice. Other times we can speak into them. And not just giving general good parent advice, but actually saying to them, what does God think about this situation? Has the Bible got anything to say about this thing that you're facing at school or at work? See, being a soul shaper isn't an extra job. It's just a conscious effort that underpins all aspects of our parenting. And I think it also applies to how we discipline. I actually think in being a soul shaper, discipline is really important. All children will need discipline at some point. Now, when I say discipline, some of you might be like, oh, you've got an image of some Victorian, uh, um, yeah, a Victorian family beating with a rod or a slipper. Actually, discipline isn't meant to be like that. And I believe the soul of a child can either be made or destroyed on the way that discipline or correction is done. You see, discipline should be an overwhelming positively experience. It's not just about teaching a child right or wrong. What you're trying to do is impart wisdom uh, into a child. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I've got this right. And actually, it's something I didn't realise until I became a parent, that actually it's something you need to be really intentional about. See, when, before I had children, I hadn't decided how I would discipline. I hadn't really given it much thought. And so my approach to discipline is a bit like, well, we'll just see what works. And so for maybe a, a few months, one method works, and then it doesn't anymore. Our current favourites are either threatening to take the PlayStation away or threatening to call Super Nanny in, and that works a treat. Um, I'm not recommending it, though. It's probably not the greatest advice. But when it comes to discipline, by my own confession, I'm probably inconsistent. I'm prone to shouting more than I should, and I don't really have a clue what works best. But what I do know is that all children 
whether toddlers, slightly older children, teenagers, they need clear expectations and boundaries and ground rules which are reinforced with um, consistent and appropriate consequences. See, when it comes to discipline, we need to have a plan. We need to know what are we trying to get out of disciplining our child? Are we just trying to make them please mum and dad? Or are we going to use it as a teaching lesson? Are we going to impart wisdom into them? It's all part of shaping their soul. And the whole thing of shaping our soul, it's only going to work if we make a plan. We need to decide what it is we want our priority to be for our children. I want to raise children who know and love God. I want children who are responsible, respectful, that are compassionate, humble, generous and gracious. People who are a joy to be around and bring joy to others. But how are they doing on that? How am I doing on that? Well, maybe for some of us, we actually need to sit down and we need to take a notepad and a pen and we need to think, what is the goal for my children and how am I doing on that? You know, ask yourself, where are they now in their relationship with God? Where would you like them to be in a year's time, five years' time, ten years' time? It might be that you want them owning and seeking time with God for themselves. It might be that you want to see them praying for themselves. It might be that you want to see them practice generosity because of what they've learned from you or what they're learning from the Bible and from God. And you know, it's not too late to start this. Even if you've got grown-up adult children, maybe sit and have a think about the influence you have in their life. And what can you be doing differently to move them on to that next step? There's a fantastic book that I found helpful that I read really early on in my parenting days, and um, it's called this, Parenting Children for a Life of Faith. And it's really practical and insightful. And at the back of that, it's actually got some tools on how do you make a plan for what you want your children uh, to grow up um, like. Um, I've got a copy of it, so if anyone wants to borrow it, um, you can come and grab that from me afterwards. But it really is a great book. So think about that. How do I want my children to grow? How can I help shape their soul? And what is the next step for them? Remember, we're called to parent our children well. But ultimately, our children will have a choice. And our job is to ask, what is that next step? What can I do for them? And then allow them to take it. We cannot force our children to do anything. But I believe God calls us to equip, encourage, set boundaries, um, to love our children well, and to example a relationship with God without controlling them. And God is partnering with us in that. And we just have to be faithful to it. I want us to finish off this morning with looking at um, the life of a woman who did this well. An outstanding mother who left a crazy good legacy. In the 17th century she was born, a lady called Susanna. And she was the 25th child of 25 children. Um, when she was 19 years old, she married a guy called Samuel. And they went on to have 19 children themselves. Sadly, nine of them died in infancy. But so Susanna was left raising these 10 children. And she had a very difficult life. Twice their house burnt down. And she was forced to send her children to live elsewhere in various different homes for two years. Two years without her children. Her husband wasn't always the greatest help. He was bad with money, often lost all of the family's finances. At one point, he left her for a whole year after a disagreement, leaving her as a single parent to these 10 children. Susanna home-educated all these children, 
both the boys and the girls alike. And she was um, really strong on giving the girls a good education, which wouldn't have been popular back in the 17th century. And so every single day from 9 till 12 and then 2 till 6, she taught these children six days a week. She also took her relationship with God seriously. She was known that if she sat down and put the apron on her lap over her head, then she was not to be disturbed because then mum was spending time with God. She spent two hours a day with God reading the Bible on top of teaching all of these 10 children. It doesn't stop there. She went on to teach loads others in her community. She didn't like the way that the church services were run at their local church, so she started teaching her own children. And her neighbours heard of this and asked if they could join in. At some point, she had 200 people gathering around her while she taught to them. Susanna passed away in 1742 at the age of 73. But she lived long enough to see the impact of her parenting. Because two of her children were John and Charles Wesley. Now, these two people you might have heard of or you might not have. They are very significant in, uh, in the church in England and the development of the church. John Wesley, they reckon, went on to speak to um, over two million people in his life. Charles Wesley, his brother, was an amazing musician who wrote songs and hymns. Many are still sung in churches uh, across uh, the country today. See, Susanna Wesley was dedicated to her role as a parent despite hardship. She was committed to shaping the souls of her children. Nothing could keep her from the Bible and from her relationship with God. See, that kind of life, deeply rooted in faith, produced great fruit, as evidenced in John and Charles Wesley. And that is the reality of us taking our role seriously. If we take this role seriously as being a soul shaper... We could see massive legacy, huge impact in our own children, our grandchildren, and generations down the line. And we are the only ones who can do that for our children with the help of other people. But this is significant. Now, our children uh, in Uptown and uh, Little Village are um, now going to come in. Um, Hopefully our meet and greet teams are going to um, pull them forward. Um, I'm going to pray, uh, and then we're going to hear a little bit from uh, the children, and they've got something to give to us as uh, women. But let me pray. Father, I thank you for the gift of children, whether our own children or whether other children in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you give us this task to, um, to raise them well. Father, I pray that um, we were to take that seriously. Lord, that we would know what it is to be and let them see. Lord, help us to focus on our own relationship with God so that we can set an amazing example to them and that we will use moments to teach into them so that they may grasp that for themselves and grow up to know and to love you. For those of us who have got children who maybe have walked away from church and walked away from you, Lord, keep us faithful in praying for them. Lord, we trust you uh, with them and with their lives. Lord, I pray that from this room, we will have stories and stories in years and years to come of where children and grandchildren have been influenced and where um, huge impacts have been made because of the faithfulness of our parents. Amen.